And I have a very brief and very simple word that the Lord's put in my heart. I want to deliver to you this morning and pray that the Holy Spirit will deliver it to your heart. It's called apprehended. Apprehended. Philippians 3.12, Paul confessed that he was an apprehended man when he said, not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend that for which also I am apprehended by Jesus Christ. I like the uh, New Living Translation on this. It uses the phrase, that I might possess that for which Jesus Christ possessed me. Apprehended, possessed. The word apprehend in the original Greek language, when Paul sat down and wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was a Greek word that we translate into apprehend. It literally means to take eagerly, to seize, to possess. So you can see the determination, the completeness, the possession. When you are apprehended, you are completely seized. You are the possession, you are under control of the thing that has apprehended you. Now Paul said, I'm not perfect. I'm reaching towards the mark, forgetting the things that lie behind, reaching forth to what lies ahead. But I'm just not following my own course in life. There is a that for which I was apprehended. And God set that, that. That's his target. That's his bullseye, his mark. God had something in mind when he apprehended me. That's what Paul is saying. He said, oh, that I might apprehend that for which I was apprehended by the Lord. When God wanted to apprehend the promised land, when he wanted to apprehend the land of Canaan, he began by first apprehending Abraham. And Abraham traveled over 700 miles, heading west, not knowing where he was going, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, becoming apprehended the whole way as he was directed, knowing that the Holy Spirit would say, this is where you're supposed to be, stop here. He apprehended Canaan by apprehending Abraham. When God wanted to apprehend the nation, the empire of Egypt, for his purposes, he began by apprehending Joseph. Joseph probably didn't feel very apprehended by God because his brothers, jealous that his father favored him, gave him that multicolored coat, showing his special favor, and uh, made his brothers jealous, and they sold him into slavery, and he ends up becoming a slave in Potiphar's house, and then from there he ends up in the deepest pit of the political prison of the Pharaoh. He probably wasn't thinking that he was apprehended by God, but through the whole process he was becoming apprehended for that which God had apprehended him. God wanted Egypt, and he was about to get Egypt once he got Joseph where he wanted him. God apprehended and freed the Hebrew slaves 400 years later by apprehending Moses. And Jesus apprehended the Roman Empire by apprehending Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. 
Whenever there's a that which God wants to apprehend, he begins by apprehending you. In fact, God apprehended you with a greater purpose. When God reached for you, he was reaching through you to something else. He was reaching through you to more people, perhaps a nation, perhaps an empire, perhaps your neighborhood. But when he reached out to you, he was reaching through you. But first, before he could apprehend that neighborhood, that empire, that nation, he had to apprehend you. And that is the point of this message this morning, is what does it mean to be apprehended? And that when I got saved, I realized that I just didn't choose a religion. I didn't just meet Jesus. I was apprehended, almost like a criminal that had been on the run. I finally got cornered. Hallelujah. And I became apprehended and glad for it, too. Praise God. Jesus began apprehending the world by first apprehending 12 disciples. Nobody plants a church like Jesus planted a church. Uh, it's just not the way it's done. People today have very elaborate systems, takes a lot of money, takes a lot of influence, takes the ability to master the, uh, the internet, the digital world, the media, a lot of planning. But Jesus didn't use any of those methods. What did he do? He went after the hearts of 12 men. He apprehended them. He concentrated all of his efforts on making sure that he had them. He knew them. He loved them. He understood them. He supported them. He trained them until they were completely apprehended. And the whole time he was planting the seeds in them that would apprehend the world. Somebody say praise the Lord if you know what I'm talking about. Glory to God. You know, Christians, people, all want to know what God's purpose is for their life. There's been so many books written and uh, conferences and authors and preachers talking about finding your purpose. And, and we feel like, if I find my purpose, I find my purpose, my life will count for something. I'll, I'll, have, a, I'll have a sense of significance. I'll feel like I belong, that I, I've, got to, I've got it going on. If I could just find God's purpose for me. But those purposes that we seek all begin with you first being apprehended by God. Not apprehending your purpose, not laying hold of the reason why you're here, or finding a use or a target for your skills, for your desires, for your dreams. Life doesn't begin with you finding your dreams. Life doesn't begin with you developing your skills so that you can lay hold of a purpose in life. Life begins with you becoming apprehended. Trust me, people have invested sometimes the better part of their youth and their whole adult lives trying to find significance, importance, and do the will of God, but overlook the one thing that makes a difference in your life in this world is that, has God ever had a hold of me? Does he have a hold of me now? Not just do I believe the Bible, do I pray, do I have Jesus in my heart, but does God have me? Am I apprehended? It should be the thing that we constantly concern ourselves about. When you face a new endeavor, when you face a trial in life, 
When you're at a point where you've gone as far as you can go, maybe in your family, your career, in uh, your adventure in life, whatever it is that you're doing, and you feel like, I, I need a breakout, need a breakthrough, I need something new, the first thing to do is to go to God and become apprehended. Let God get a hold of you. Because you're not going to get a hold of what it is you need to lay hold of until God gets a hold of you. Everything comes from that. You know, when God apprehended Abraham, Joseph, Moses, the Apostle Paul, they became transplanted, relocated, and reoriented. Their hearts, their beliefs, their ambitions, their careers all landed in God's hands before his hands would move through them to apprehend his purposes for them. Everything about them became God's property. And God changed everything about their life. They literally, if you think about it, the great men and women of God were called pilgrims because they were all relocated. Why didn't God just raise somebody up in the land of Canaan? Why go find a man like Abraham over 700 miles away to the east and disturb him and reveal himself to him and tell him, go west, I have a purpose for you. He, could God have easily have found somebody? I mean, today have you noticed that we're so worried about using up the earth's resources. We're so conscious about using the limited supply. But if you ever notice that God is not only unstoppable, as we were singing before, but uh, he's unexhaustible. He never does things economically. God's not worried about if he wants to obtain a nation, I've got to find someone who's already there. He always picks somebody who's half a world away. Three cultures removed, doesn't even know the language. He calls them and then he begins to transplant them and move them, uproot them, reorient them, relocate them. As I thought about being apprehended, I realized that when people get saved, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that a lot of Christians really realize when maybe they responded to an altar call or felt the wooing of the Holy Spirit and said yes to Jesus, that they realize that they were putting their lives on God's altar and that he probably, if he had his way, there's a that that, that God saw in them that he wanted to reach through them and, and establish and, and get for his glory. And, and most people don't really realize. They thought, oh, well, I just thought I was accepting Jesus. I didn't expect my life to change. I didn't expect anything about my life to really radically transform. But where do you think God gets these great pioneers of faith? Do you think they go to a special university? The University of God's Pioneers. It's where you learn how to do what Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Paul and Peter did. No. Those are all people like you and I. And if they let God apprehend them, he does amazing things through their life. But not before he uproots them, plucks them up, removes them from everything secure, everything familiar to them, makes them completely dependent upon him, puts them in a place where he is the only resource 
that they have or that they know. They become apprehended. Glory to God. They get on a boat that when they step off of it, it sinks and there's no way back. They burn bridges behind them. They go to places from which they likely will never return. That is what being apprehended is all about. Um, I remember when the Lord first called my wife and I, uh, called us to the ministry. We really didn't have a call like, <laughs> at least we didn't follow the call like, like most, most pastors, teachers, or whatever do. Um, we were young and zealous teenagers, young, young teenagers, 19, 20 years old. God said, I want you to leave your home, travel 1,400 miles to the northeast to a place that has never been your home. You don't know the people there or anybody, but I'm sending you there because I want you to go into that city, and I want you to go to that university, Yale University, not to go to school there, but to plant a great ministry, a church that I want to use to bring revival to New England. Imagine, 19 years old. Where in the world do you get crazy thoughts like that? I mean, it hadn't been too many months or years before that that I'd been getting high and everything, so I don't know, maybe there was still some lingering crazy thinking going on, but no, it was the Holy Spirit. And I remember telling a friend of mine in Largo, because we were, we were here in Clearwater, this was our home, I remember telling a friend in Largo, God spoke to me and he's sending me to uh, Connecticut to build this ministry in church. I was all excited. And in my mind, I thought, well, God does that with everybody. God speaks to everyone and says, okay, you're here and I'm calling you and I want you to go over there. And you know what my friend said to me, Christian friend, he looked at me and, and he was irritated. And he said to me, with disdain, he said, why would God send you up there to New Haven, Connecticut, to Yale University, start a church? Why does he need you to do it? Doesn't God have people up there? And his question really stumped me. I didn't know what to say, because the logic of it just paralyzed me. I thought, oh, well, I know he does have people up there. Why? Why would he... Because the things that God wants to do, the that for which he calls us, he doesn't need the accessible people. He doesn't need the prepared and intelligent people. He needs the people who are willing to allow him to run them through the process. The process of being apprehended. It involves a stripping. It involves a removal from all that is secure. You know, there are some Christians who never allow God to bring them to a point of weakness or insecurity. They never have breakdowns. They never step outside themselves. They rigidly keep themselves together. When circumstances press around them, trials are on them, they never break down and cry. They, they never become nervous. They never step out from behind their armor. I've got it together. I don't allow myself to be shaken. But you know something? God has never used anybody, never done great things through anyone who first wasn't broken, shaken. You know, it's not always a good thing to not allow yourself to be shaken, broken down, by your trials and by your pressures. 
Because it's at that altar when we're broken down and our, we surrender our security in ourselves. It's not always a good thing when you're hard-headed and stubborn and you just keep going your own way in life and you won't listen to anybody. You're just entrenched in your way. I'm right, I'm right, and you reinforce yourself because you've learned that in this world you can't afford to be wrong. Even if you are wrong, you don't admit you're wrong. You just keep reinforcing, I'm right, I'm right, because this world will eat you up. That's the world, but not the kingdom of God. God's world doesn't work that way. God's world has never worked that way. Why do you think Joseph went through all the horrible things that he went through? Why did Abraham go through all the things he went through? Why did God anoint David, king of Israel, and then for the next many years, He's living in the wilderness, running like an outlaw, living with a bunch of bandits in the cave of Adullam. Why did the Apostle Paul, a man of great standing and superior intellect, great ability, an orator, why did God shake him and reduce him to nothing? And he's on the backside of a desert for years alone with the Lord. None of his skills give him any confidence. In fact, Paul writes in one place, he said, pray for me that I might have the ability to speak like the Lord wants me to speak. This was a man who spoke for a living. How did he get like that? He became apprehended. People who are so secure in themselves never become apprehended by God because they won't let go of self. They will not allow themselves to be weak or to be broken. You show me somebody that has known what it is like to walk with God, and I'll show you somebody who's gone through many breakings and moments of insecurity in life. Don't keep stubbornly digging in your heels, fighting your battles, resisting. If you're wrong, fall on your face and be wrong. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? I'm trying to help somebody this morning. Stop looking down on everybody else saying, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand me. This is the way I am. Because every time you do that, you drive yourself farther away from the hand of God. God uses yielded people. And he uses people that he brings through a process. And that process is to allow them to become apprehended, to become property in God's hands. Hallelujah. You know, the hardest yet the most important part of knowing God's purpose for you, laying hold of his purpose for you, is letting him apprehend and own you. That is not easy. It isn't easy because by nature, we reinforce ourselves. We don't surrender ourselves. All of you have different roads to the promised land. There may be different roads to the promised land, but the way is always the same. It's one way. It's the way for every one of us. No matter what your road is, no matter what the that is that the Lord is aiming at through your life, there is only one way, and that is let God apprehend you. Let God possess you. I don't think, really, there is a higher goal 
to our gathering as the church when we gather in services like this than that we're able to leave out the door and say, I am apprehended. God has a hold of me today. How do we describe apprehended people? What do they look like? What do they sound like? Well, Galatians 3, Paul writes, For as many of you who have been baptized into Christ, have received Christ, the Bible says, as many of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Put on Christ. That was his way of saying, every cell of your soul is saturated with Jesus. His voice echoes through every chamber in your mind. His word is your constant guiding light. You hunger and thirst for his spirit. His altar is your refuge. His zeal is irrepressible in you. That is a list of qualities of apprehended people. When you find somebody like that, you have found someone who has been apprehended by God. When you're apprehended, you're like Mary, the sister of Martha, Mary of Bethany, sitting at Jesus' feet. When you're apprehended, you're like Peter, rebounding from your failures. You're like Paul, focused on the prize and refusing to deviate. You're like Mary Magdalene, unashamed regardless of your past. You're like John, who is publicly in love with Jesus, loves Jesus as his Savior, and not afraid to show it. You're like King David, who loves to worship God. That's what apprehended people look like. Of all of the important things that we could do this morning in this service and in every service that we gather in, there is none greater than that we allow God to apprehend us. That we gather around the altar and say, here I am, here I am, apprehend me. God had a purpose for the prophet Isaiah. He had a great mission. He wanted to give him prophecies that would not only speak to the nation in his day, but would be written in the book of Isaiah and that would come down through history and speak to the whole world for thousands of years to come. That's quite a that for which God apprehended him. But God started by him crying out at the Lord's altar. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. I'm not qualified. And the Lord took the coal from the altar and he got a hold of Isaiah's tongue and he burned out that sin. And he says, there, your sin is removed. And he said, now who will go for us? And Isaiah threw his hand up and says, I will. You see, you're not going to go for God until you're apprehended. And apprehended isn't just saying I make a commitment to Jesus. God's been trying to apprehend some of you and you're fighting it. He's been trying to apprehend you, but you keep justifying yourself. He's been trying to apprehend you, but you won't admit you're wrong. He's been trying to apprehend you, but you won't give up your habits. He's trying to get a hold of you, but you're holding on to your securities, your blanket, your surroundings. You won't leave your house. You're not willing to leave, to change. You're not allowing God 
to do something different. You just want him to renew the old things that you've been doing. God is not just here to renew you. He's here to bring you into new things and new places. And he's got to have your willingness to do it. The most important thing we can do this morning is to come before the Lord and say, Father, apprehend me. Get hold of me. Apprehend me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. So that when I leave here, my mind and my heart and my will is full of the Holy Spirit. Apprehended Christians are not following a religion. They're living in the grip of God. Apprehended Christians are not just following a morality that God has laid down. They're living in the grip of God. An apprehended Christian, the one thing that distinguishes them from everybody else, they may not be better than anyone else. They may have more problems than other people. They, they may be more flawed than other Christians. But an apprehended Christian has one thing. They live in the grip of God. They don't feel right unless they feel God's hand, 360 degrees around their soul, their will, their mind, everything, everything has to do with, am I in God's hand? That's an apprehended Christian. He lives in the grip of God, and it's apprehended people who will apprehend the world. The world today doesn't need to be one to Christianity. The world today needs to be apprehended by Jesus. And apprehended people are the only ones through whom God can apprehend others. Have you ever wondered why, when you let God apprehend and take hold of you, why when you meet someone and God blesses you to be able to lead them to Jesus, that, that apprehendedness in your life translates and transfers to them. They get that message. God's reaching people when he reaches you. I think this morning when we have the altar call, in just a moment, we should probably come before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to apprehend that for which you apprehended me. But I can't bring somebody else to a place until I myself am in that place. Amen? Isn't that right? Stand with me this morning.